everyone, and welcome to Sheen Partners, the only podcast with two dudes alone in a room. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not true. <laughs> in a house with no, with no soundproof walls, two dudes talk about theater. What is happening? Sheen Partners. I don't know. I was having a little too much fun. Dude. I just want to say, before mm. we begin, what a crazy moment of serendipity that we had today. It is, it, <laughs> I think it shows either that you and I, we, we've synced up. <laughs> <laughs> we have become the same. Uh, yeah, I just thought that also to not realize it, both of us didn't realize it either until later. Yes, because um, I was surfing TikTok as one does. And I saw this video about um, acting and they're looking for like voice actors for these upcoming kids TV shows. And I said, smarttv.com. Yeah. You're and, welcome. And so I send it to everyone who's looking for a job. Um, I send it to don't take our jobs. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, like, what did you just do? You just outsourced us. Uh, <laughs> we get 10% of your check. There you go. Uh, but um, we both sent it to one another. Like I sent it to you and I was like, this could be us. And you were like, yeah, sure, good. It really <laughs> just shows just how much it. you really don't pay attention to the thing. <laughs> like I send you too many things is what it means. Yeah, you send like two or three things and I'll go back and watch them eventually. And then I was going back to watch them. and I was like, oh, it's the same video. Yeah. We did this like a minute apart. It was pretty amazing. Yes. I also didn't realize it until I like looked at the message you sent and I thought, Wait, did I? That's not my thread. That's you. You, d I didn't send that. <laughs> you did thought you send I that was to me too. Replying, like and then in a I Facebook thought maybe message. it's just one of those things where you just heart it, mm. and it was showing me. I was like, it was, it was a, it was a very fun time. It does seem like a really cool idea. Yeah, this like, um, this particular company takes cartoons from other countries, other languages, I guess I should say, and then translates it into English, like for like if they need a, an English version. Yes. And I just think that's so cool. And the way that they're doing it, it's just yet again, I know that I probably used to hate on this so hard and people are probably tired of me talking about it. But TikTok has changed so much. It's like the social media platform for performers. And yes. I think that's why I love it so much. Because it just encourages this creative. It's, it's probably why I liked Vine so much too. Yes. Oh, it man, just I encourages miss Vine. this content and like celebrates amazing singers and actors and all the good things. Maybe it's just my particular algorithm. I don't know. But yeah. um, it's no, just so it cool that, like, I think whenever I was younger, like, I remember being in junior high because I've always wanted to do voiceover work. Like, I yes. think ever since I saw, when I was a kid and I saw Will you give us your Robin best Williams. voiceover uh, audition right now? Like, give us something, not Mr. Plankton or whatever his name is. What in the did. world is happening right now? <laughs> I just want to hear one from you. I don't even know what it would be. What are you doing to me? <laughs> I don't know. I just want to hear it. <laughs> that was my that was my voiceover thing oh, right there. Oh, that was it? That yeah. Was it. What are you doing to me? <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> Yikes. The, do the doc's alive. Come on, bats. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Anyway, uh, uh, let's get back to it. Uh, you wanted to be a voice actor. No, I love voice yeah. acting too. I would love to do it. But I wanted to see I wanted to see the like ever since I saw Robin Williams do the genie, I was like, this seems like the most fun in the entire world. And I think on the VHS or on something that I was watching, it showed like a behind the scenes thing with Robin Williams in the studio. Mm. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world. It's like that looks like a blast. Yeah. And I remember getting to the point of trying to figure out, like, I wonder if I could audition for something, for a voiceover. Because I had, uh, you know, young white male confidence. Yeah. So I was like, this is totally possible for me to be the next Robin Williams. I'm 13. And everywhere it was like, send in a tape. Yeah. You know, it was like any anywhere that you could possibly find, like in the yellow pages or whatever, or you know. Yeah. That, might have had a website if I went to the library and got on a computer. It was like send in. You have to physically send in a, like a cassette or a, you yeah. know, this is like craziness. And now you're auditioning like the way they do it. You just duet the video that they put up. I don't know if you really looked at their stuff. But yeah, they yeah, put yeah. Put up the video of the cartoon and then you duet it with the 
with the text yes yeah. put up on the green lights and, and then I you just, also have to like lip sync with the way that the lips are moving and things yeah. like that it's just awesome which which is crazy because that all really started in the 80s like all those major cartoons that we have like mm-hmm. the voltrons the thundercats and things well that may oh, be yeah. american but things like that are a result of you know dubbing over these old uh you know at the time japanese cartoons oh yeah that's what i was about to say it's probably anime but yeah. I, don't, I don't know much about that so they're, they're, well, now there's like a subsect of people that are like, oh, I like the original language and I'll read the subtitles because mm-hmm. it's more authentic and it's like you're getting the same story. Yeah, I would imagine it would be the same story translated. Yes. Well, translation is a lot better today than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Yes, I would. I would. <laughs> or rather localization is what they call it. Yeah. yeah. Like figuring out a way to make it work. Yeah. That was one of the things that they touted on on for this company that's, you know, doing voiceover auditions is. Um, that they are translating it well. Yeah. <laughs> like they're going to make it sound, but we, it was like basically saying, we're going to make your script sound really good. Yeah. And make sense. How, how cool would it be if we just came in here instead of recording? Like we were like, we're going to have to end the podcast because we're really popular on this, this show. <laughs> because now we are Malaysia's favorite cartoon. That <laughs> 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 would be amazing. Uh, it would be so fun oh, and weird. And goodness. I would, you know, the, the money from it would be nice, but I think I would almost enjoy the story more. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, it would be. Well, I, I've been listening to this podcast with Clancy Brown, the guy who plays Mr. Krabs. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to hear like his journey and how he just fell into it. And now he's one of the most prolific uh, voice actors and he does all the the W. I think he's like the voice for Lex Luthor in the animated sphere. Oh, wow. Which is crazy to me that, you know, somebody who was like, I'm on what is arguably one of the greatest movies of all time, the Shawshank Redemption, Mm -hmm. having this identity crisis. And then 15 years later, I'm one of the most popular and prolific voice actors out there. I'm in a room going. (laughs) Yes. That's what you could have said earlier, but you didn't. Well, I didn't quite understand the parameters. I didn't know the rules. Oh, okay. Until you did your Joker thing. (laughs) I was like, oh, and now I do everything. Uh, it's so awesome. Um, so I, I, I like, of course, I love talking about voiceover stuff, but we were kind of discussing today. Um, what might be an interesting topic is shows that leave a legacy, right? Yes. And that's kind of like, I was trying to think of the best way to say that shows that leave a legacy. I mean, I guess every show leaves a legacy. I guess it's either a good legacy or a bad legacy. Yeah. I, yeah. At some point, but the shows that, I guess leave an impression on you and that last throughout um throughout theater that continue on that just continually get produced over and over and over again and people are like oh you know we're going to build a season and we kind of talked about this before when you learn how to build a season you put in one show that you know is a for sure ticket seller yeah and then you can just start building off of that but how do you know it's a for sure ticket seller like that just seems crazy to me that you can know that this show is going to sell a lot of tickets yeah because of the legacy of the show you know it, it kind of makes me wonder i guess there's really no way of knowing like sort of like the rogers and hammerstein sort of or hammerstein um sort of <laughs> deal um I, I mean i don't know I, I didn't i didn't correct you just then because i feel like most people don't really know which one they're supposed to say and every time before they say it and if you think you do you're probably wrong yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna continue being being rogers and hammersteinstein um (laughs) stein (laughs) stein um but there's no way that they knew that they were going well i mean i guess after the first couple of hits they had oh i actually do know the answer to that question it was rogers and hammerstein okay but it was because he didn't want to be called steen because he thought it sounded too jewish yeah so he he made it Stein. So, but it was actually Steen. Interesting. See, in my mind, like Steen is correct, but I've heard everyone always say Stein. Yeah, so. that's because that was the way that he like they pronounced. Like fighting it, my own education to, like, there. Try to fight against the, I, I guess the more Jewish sound. But for the time, I, you know, there, I guess there's really just no way to know that the first several shows that they were writing were going to be these big hits. And and be so incredibly popular, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, after you know, you do a couple of them, you're like, okay, we know our rhythm, we know 
what we're doing. You have to think about like it was almost the golden age of the musical. You know, yeah, I know that's that true. there is actually the term the golden age of theater or whatever. But the um, I mean, they were putting out these shows and they knew like, oh, this is a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Yeah, like we are. This is going to be amazing. Well, you know, today we can definitely recognize. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a theater their voice, in, I guess. Uh, there is a theater in Texas, and oh my goodness, I wish I could remember their name. But they used to, obviously, they're not doing it anymore. And the only reason why I know about them is because my friend Wendy worked for them. But they would still, I think they were the only theater in America that would do, and it was by some grant, some NEA grant, I think. Um, and they would still do a full orchestrated Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. So they would, I mean, when you think about how beautiful that must have sounded. What? To have a full piece orchestra. Instead of having a flat with track. The show, yeah, with the mm, with the show. I mean mm, and most of so the time, good. like you have a you have a orchestra in the pit, but you never have the amount of instruments that they used to have. Yeah. You know, that they orchestrated that music for originally. So you're hearing it the way that it was supposed to sound. I mm-hmm. think that's just so awesome. Yeah, I, I think of it like the equivalent of my dad or my father in law being like, Hey, come listen to this vinyl record. Mm, you know, yeah. it'd be like that would be like what walking into this theater to hear that would be. It is interesting that they created such a name for themselves and it didn't know it didn't matter what the show was about. They yeah. wrote a musical about a state fair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean people don't really do that musical. And you know what no. they called it? State fair. Yeah. I mean it's like and, and it and it actually is does have some really good music in it. But the storyline is just like, oh, this is what what even is this? So my 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 mom made the best minced meat, but she accidentally put too much booze in it because we wanted a funny scene. So the judge ate too much of it, got drunk, and then made her the winner. Yeah, like I mean, <laughs> this is the the comedy of the of yeah. the moment. It, it's it's a I very, think that's what makes what you just said right there the the, the whole th- the whole premise of it mm-hmm. is what's so funny, right? Yeah, like we have this funny idea. And how can we stretch that and make these funny moments throughout? Well, it was almost like the 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 writing, or I guess you would call it like the book, like the actual non musical parts yeah. of the of the show weren't important. Mm-hmm. It was almost like, hey, I've got an idea for a melody, and then let's build this. Oh, this would be a song. What is this song? And let's build a show around the song. You know, that's yeah. that's what it feels like to me. I might be completely off base, but it feels like they come up with the music and then it's like, oh, let's fit everything else in. I mean, that's why so many old musicals, they would take the music from that and like Frank Sinatra and all mm-hmm. these other people would record from them. And that was where were hit records at yeah. the time. But it started off as a musical. I mean, one of the like saddest, weirdest thing in the world is to hear Frank Sinatra sing Old Man River. <laughs> yes <laughs> you know i mean that's that's crazy from showboat you know yeah. it's like doesn't make any sense traditionally sung by an older black man you mm-hmm. know and when you hear the words you're like why in the world is this happening like listening to it now i guess that's why disney has a bunch of those famous people cover the title track from their films and stuff yeah so Still they to can this day, sell the it. tradition of it yeah and yeah, like you'd watch a movie and then Selena Gomez starts singing the title track at the end. And you're like, what is this? Why is this yeah. happening? Like, why is Panic at the Disco singing? Uh, but I the- mean, once you hear Panic in the Disco mm. sing into the unknown, you're like, oh, I get it. Yes. Like this is. No, no. I that That's one of those versions amazing. that I think is better than what's in the film. Itself. Well, it was better than in the yes. film. I was listening. To- Brandon Yuri is one of the top notch singers of this world. What is even happening inside of that man's throat like i don't understand i don't know i scoffed years ago when they first came to the scene right after fallout boy because they were good friends with that group yeah. or whatever and it was like this is just a knockoff version to this day i still listen to panic stuff he is so insane his voice is just like a makes no sense to olympic me olympic gold medalist <laughs> yes i mean it's just so astounding I'm sure i the feel the same Pentatonics way about adam upset. lambert actually yes and i I'm bringing him up because we haven't really talked about it because I sent you like a thousand text messages and I just figured like <laughs> you oh, sent whatever. me every link to every famous I person doing it. Ratatouille. Ratatouille the musical, but it was just so beautiful. <gasps> it was so cool. And they raised over a million dollars for the actors relief fund. That's awesome. Just this like weird thing, this Ratatouille the musical that doesn't exist. And uh, and Wayne Brady was in it, which was yeah. just ridiculous. And he didn't really play that big of a part. 
But it, it just, oh, it was so good. It was so good. I mean, it was probably pretty terrible by all sense, but I mean, it really was just like heartwarming and fun. I think, <laughs> I think if, uh, if I had to compare it to like when the pandemic first began and you had all of those famous people singing the Beatles song. Oh, yeah. This is much better than that. Yeah, we need Ratatouille, <laughs> not the Beatles. Yes. Who was it? It was uh, Gal Gadot Gado? started it. Gal, Gal Gadot or Gal Gadot? I don't know. It's I've heard it Gadot. Okay. Many I mean, times. it is D-O-T. Yeah, but I've also heard it Gal Gadot. I don't know. I, I don't really know how to say her name. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman was singing. Yeah. That's what I remember. Yes. And then it turned into like every other famous person and no one was on the same key. <laughs> when they were singing uh, it yeah i looked that i think you were telling me about it and i looked up that video yeah and it's it is cringy it is horrific not saying that you know if you find the joy in your heart to sing that you shouldn't sing but sometimes you don't need to let other people hear it mm-hmm. i think <laughs> especially when you have like millions of followers and you know i think it was all the clashing of all the different tones yeah and if it would have just been heard just being like oh that's cute yeah this, yeah. But maybe not everyone. But at to. least with Ratatouille, it's oh my fun. God. Tid- and but, and also like together. Adam Lambert and Titus. Yeah. Oh, dude. Holy cow. Titus is so freaking good. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It seems like it's just also effortless. I'm so jealous of it, too. Mm-hmm. I'm so jealous mm-hmm. of what he can do, like the range that he has. Like, I just want to know what it feels like to sing that high. Yeah. I think that's I'm so jealous of it. Like I know that, like I, for somebody who loves theater as much as I do, I really should not have been given this voice. <laughs> like I should have either been like a dispatcher for like a trucking company yeah. or like something else, like something where I'm on the phone or like a radio DJ. Like not yeah, not like oh I'm gonna go into musicals. <laughs> like I'm gonna go into an industry where people don't write music for my my range yeah. ever. It's like, oh, I can play the judge and Sweeney Todd. Okay, there's one. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you for Hades Town. That's two. Yeah. That's it. So I got two. And then every other music. I think would if just you worked racist, really, really, really it. hard, you could be in, you know, a show that is more legacy, uh, uh Les Mis. Oh my God. I thought you were about to say something worse. And I thought I was gonna have to reach across the podcast and <laughs> slap you across your podcast. No, but I do know that you're not a big <laughs> fan of Les Mis. I am not a fan of Les Mis, but you know it's Really, because you like played the, the Russell Crowe, uh, the music, yeah. <laughs> I could put the Russell Crowe spin on that show so hard. The show is, is I don't think that the show is bad. I actually really love the story, I think it's a heartbreaking yeah. story. The novel is insane, yeah. And actually, PBS did a miniseries, I don't know if you watched it, but mm-hmm. they did a miniseries like last year, and it was phenomenal. Really? Um, like, super amazing. Lexi and I watched it, and it just is so... It's hard, it is literally heartbreaking. It's just all the time. And, you know, the, the, you, you witness somebody going through torture. I mean, it's literally torture to yeah. be poor. I mean, it's not, not that the world has gotten better for the poor, like, that it's easy to be poor now is yeah. what I mean. But back then... Oh, that's mm-hmm. rough. It is hard to see. Mm-hmm. And just the amount of things that can be taken from you. Yeah. And that book shows you just how far, like how much can be taken of you. See, I have to imagine that back then it was a lot harder to crawl back from that yeah. than it is today. But, you know, that's also a show that has a legacy. Yes. Speaking of. And it is, you, you know, you talk to any theater person or really like a lot of people who aren't even involved in theater thanks to the magic of film. Mm-hmm. And they love that show. Yeah. They love it. I think my problem came from originally the fact that everyone loved it. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I was like, I don't I don't know about that. And it also it was I did it's not like I knew about it before and everybody just was always talking about how much they loved it and I was like, ugh. And then I listened to it and I just I mm-hmm. it was probably my mind being like, No, you are better than this. And then I tried to like warm myself up to it, and then Russell Crowe, he just ruined it for me. But still beautiful Samantha moments. Banks. Yeah, still beautiful moments in that show. <laughs> I'm going to say it, beautiful moments. That yes. I thought Anne Hathaway did a great job. Yes. And Hugh Jackman is insane and yeah, also he, doesn't he deserve to be on this planet. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. it's not fair. His talent is Or maybe unreal. we don't deserve him. 
I saw this article the other day. I didn't. I, I should have read it, but the headline was basically Hugh Jackman touted to be the savior of Broadway when it returns. And it's because of his music man, you know. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I think it's him and Kelly O'Hara. I'm sure. I think maybe it be, might be somebody else. I forgot that he was doing that. But yeah, it's and that's touted to be like the first thing that's coming back. Yeah. And um, they're hoping that that's going to like his star appeal is going to mm-hmm. bring people back into the put butts in the seats essentially. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. It's just a. I'm sorry, I just kind of went off on a little tangent. No, there. no, 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 no. I, I love talking about huge. I think that dude Spiral. is incredibly talented. Like things, when he start, when they do the thing behind the scenes for the greatest showman from mm-hmm. from from now on. Mm, oh, so good, so freaking good. And he was actually in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. That's actually he was doing Oklahoma when he got discovered as Wolverine. For Wolverine. <laughs> But he was so good. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that, and I know you hate that show. I do hate that show. I have seen clips of him in it. Oh, my gosh. That show, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of Oklahoma. That made me a fan of Oklahoma mm-hmm. because everybody in the cast was amazing. Yeah. I mean, they really were. It was so legit. I loved the staging of it, too. They used their psych so well, mm-hmm. and just, like, the movement that existed on the stage. The only thing I didn't like was that they had a toy train. <laughs> like i didn't like i was like okay wait a minute like i'm with you a hundred percent on suspending my disbelief it's like all these elements work you leave the stage and you're gonna bring will whatever his name from texas and kansas city on a friday that guy um will hart no that's somebody we know that's a real person (laughs) that we know not that the other person isn't real What is think his name is Will? Will. What is his name? Oh, doesn't matter. I'm yeah. so sorry I do this. Anyway, but he like leaves with his train supposed to be coming in, and they put that train on the end of the stage, this little toy train that goes down that. Oh, oh, that's what it reminded me of, Mr. Rogers, when I saw it is that. like yes. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lexi doesn't like Oklahoma either, and I want her to watch this just to see if it changes her mind. But I think mm. if you watch that and then the Oklahoma that Mitch did in New York, I'm like, this has got to be, it just, I, I just, oh. anyway, um, Hugh Jackman is so good in that show. Yeah. And you know what? I also heard, uh, speaking of Hugh Jackman and Greatest Showman, I saw this clip that just kind of like broke my heart the other day of uh, uh, our BFF, Jeremy Jordan. Mm-hmm. And oh, he was talking about, yes. He was talking about how that all went down. Yep. And I remember because I saw that behind the scenes stuff for The Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Jackman is up there singing, and I saw Jeremy Jordan. And yeah, I was he's like, like singing the. And to the be parts honest, for him. like I love Zac Efron. I think he's awesome. I think he's awesome, mm-hmm. and I really liked him in the movie. And I feel kind of bad for him about some of the stuff that's happened in his life, which is really hard to say that you feel bad for a millionaire. Yeah, <laughs> but I do kind of feel bad for him about some of the some of the uh, hands that he was dealt as far as you know his career goes or whatever. But. Because I do think he's very talented. I think he's a very good singer yes. and a very good dancer. But Jeremy Jordan literally is the song and dance man. I mean, yes. that's like you. I don't know. I I honestly don't know of a of a guy in that age range right now in theater that's better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and they definitely went for it. like you have the star power. That's what I don't. Yeah, Hugh I don't Jackman. Get it. You got Hugh Jackman. Oh, and it was just so hard. You have to him. think that it just came down to because you had Hugh Jackman and Zendaya, 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 and like those two alone, like she's bringing in this younger yeah, crowd. I, I honestly didn't know who I didn't know she existed. Yeah. So so okay. Yeah. So you have this younger crowd and people like you and I, because I'll admit it, Hugh Jackman, while incredibly talented, that's a good looking dude. Oh my goodness, that yeah. dude. I would. Yeah. It's to, not <laughs> to have his commitment. I would. What would? <laughs> That's not the place. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was going to say, I would. That I would, was really, really fun. I did, I did pause That there. was really awesome. I would love that to dude. have his dedication to being so fit, like all the time, even Just when you're not the dedication. Wolverine. Yeah. But. That you, was so, so funny. And so but awesome. I wonder if he was brought in to bring, you know, women our age to go see like. And oh my us. Gosh. Women our age and you and I. Well, I wouldn't go see a movie for Zac Efron. No, I wouldn't go see it for him either. I would go see it for. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yeah. But also, um, Keela Settle. Do you know who that is? That's the woman who played the the bearded woman in the film. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. She was, uh, she's she's a, like a huge Broadway yeah. star. She's in The Waitress. Mm-hmm. And 
oh my goodness. That and this was woman. a huge break for her. Yeah, that was a huge, huge thing for her. Oh, didn't think we were going to be talking about this. Yeah. That's, I'm so, so sorry. I, I, like I watched derailed. the movie thinking I would hate it, and then I just like cried for an hour and a half. Yeah, basically. I mean, I think just like anything else, you just have to accept it for what it is mm-hmm. and enjoy it and not try to put too much on it. But I, I just, I, I really, it, it entertained me, and yes. I've watched it a lot, and I've listened to the soundtrack <laughs> a lot, and I will sing to it every time. So... Talking about Hugh Jackman, but back to really Oklahoma. So there's a show that, say, like you like, but for example, like Lexi and myself, we don't really necessarily yeah, care you don't for like it. it. But we ha- we also acknowledge that this is like a legacy show. But like you know, and so does Lexi, that if we were building a season and I said, all right, we have to do Oklahoma. And this would be about the way the conversation goes. We need a big family musical that's going to put butts in the seats we can make money on i think lexi and i would come up with enough arguments i'm sure but (laughs) i'd be like you know we've been we've done this we've done this we've done this we can do oklahoma and i it would be like yeah yeah we can sell that well yeah that obviously yes 100 percent makes sense but you know i feel like that's another one of those shows that if we were doing it and we actually sat down to work on it that you would like it I honestly do. I think that if we worked on it and we talked about what it was about and we worked through the scenes and found the fun in it and the tragedy in it, that you would enjoy yourself. Can I just be the major? The problem is, the is that you would have to play. <laughs> um, yeah, you would have to play the the bass <laughs> because he's the sad part, and I don't think that, that would work. You're but telling really, me be, there's no chance I could be Judd. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, that's Judd. Okay. <laughs> I want to be the bad guy. I'm I love being the bad remember, guy. But that's the thing. Like, that would be more. In my me. mind, Curly was the bad guy and Judd was the good guy. Well, Curly kind of has a bad guy moment, but it's Okay, really, look, you stab one guy, you're a bad Judd. guy for your whole life? It's no. It's Judd. Judd is the, the weird stalker guy that wants to steal the women and marry them. I mean, okay. Poor Judd is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like such a good but no you're absolutely right scene. if if if, it, if we sat down and we really had the conversation and i'm sure that because i would love the like show if i ever did it yes with, with annie how i didn't want to do yeah. it in the beginning because i was like oh here's this huge mm-hmm. butts and seats musical that's basically what i think of it it's a bsm <laughs> 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 not a thing but it is now <laughs> So it's a butts and seats musical, and I was like, yeah, that I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the joy in this because it just seems hokey. And then I yeah. started looking at it and was like, oh, my goodness, this is an amazing show. Of course it is. That's why it has this following, like, and finding that way in, you know. I think that's just simply, like, and, and I will admit, I, I am a little bit of a snob on things sometimes. Mm. I, I acknowledge that. But if I really sat down with something that I didn't understand or say I didn't like, I think I could find the joy in it and be like, oh, this is what this means. This is what yeah. this is. This is what this well, moment is. I mean, I know for a fact you and I have done shows that neither of us like while we're in them. And we still, in the moment, will find a way in. Yeah. And I think it's just something that you do. Like, you find the course of action that that makes it appropriate for you to be on stage. Yes. And <laughs> and you can be like, I can justify this. Yeah. I can do it. I can find my way in. It's like, it makes no sense. I'm, and I'm sometimes here. that's the job of the actor to be like, all right, I don't agree with what's happening here, but I need to find the joy in this and mm-hmm. a reason for me to be here. Yes. Um, it, it is very interesting. I don't know what it is that makes it so different. I mean, I guess we are also different. So, of course, we love different things. Mm-hmm. You know, did I ever tell you the my Les Mis story? No. Um, I, I was never in Les Mis, so thankfully I've I've missed that one. Well, um, there's still time. <laughs> as of yet, <laughs> <laughs> guess was, we're padding out next season. That was yeah. There you go. One man Les Mis, starring Chris McDowell and Nick Jonas. There you go. In a singing So a two-man. <laughs> we'll just play Nick Jonas underneath, <laughs> and you'll just sing over it. I'm a sucker for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Nick Jonas thing, right? Yes, it is. Okay. I think it is. Uh, I wasn't really even aware of the fact that he made music until like a year ago. 
Stop it. I'm I'm not kidding. And I know Jonas very Brothers. Talented. I know, but I and I know, but like I'm not gonna listen to the Jonas Brothers. I'm just not gonna listen to First it. First off, latest records of I know, and that's the thing, as I heard their like their their last one or, or heard a song from it was like, oh. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. I, so I think I understand. Got a little bit of a talent. Yeah, I okay. think I understand. But anyway, your lame miss story. Let's get back on track here. So um, I was working for, I can't believe, if I haven't, I probably have told you, I surely have told you this story, but I was working for David and David put in, like emailed somebody, did whatever, because he knows everyone to do um, the guy who wrote the book for lame miss, Alain Boubliel's show La Revolution. Oh Francaise. yeah. I think you mentioned that you've had dinner with this guy, but that's about as far as I, I know. Yeah. So I uh went to David's and he was like, hey, this is what we're gonna be doing. I've I've got this in the works. Um and you're gonna be very excited. And I was like, what's going on? He was like, okay, so you're gonna get to spend two weeks with someone very special. And I, and I said, oh, and I got really excited. I mean, I was like, the possibilities are endless. And he was like, it's going to be Alain Boublio. Yes, I, I know said, Michael Boublier. And I, yeah. <laughs> and I said, who? who? <laughs> no. <laughs> because I don't no, know Les Mis. I don't like that show. Yeah. I don't like, also like, I do like, like, I mean, I listen to musicals and I like some musicals, but I'm not. Even though you and Lexi think that I'm like this insane musical person, I'm really not by comparison. You guys don't know those people. I'm I do like some no, musicals, no, 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 but no, no, I'm no. not yes. like insane about it. I think you are a little bit more choosy than the people that I do know that are like I'm only listening to show tunes. To show ever. tunes all the time. I mean, I am choosy about it, but it, it and it is yeah. Anyway, so I I didn't know him, and he was very disappointed, and he was like, <laughs> his exact words to me were, he's like. This this is this is the moment when you being straight is not good that you work for me. It's not good that you work for me. You being straight, <laughs> he's like, I'm wasting this job on you. <laughs> oh man, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Um, but anyway, so he, uh, I had to go pick Alan from up from the airport. Mm-hmm. Now David sent me his name, and I completely forgot how to pronounce it because, like, what do I know? And it's Alan. It's Alan. <laughs> That is how it is written. Alan. Alan Boublier. Alan. I'm, yeah. Alan. <laughs> Alan. Alan. I'm at the airport and I've got like, I never thought I would be this person either. Like it was one of those things where you look at your like degree or whatever, where you're at in your life and you're holding a piece of paper with some other famous person's name on it, like waiting for them to get in your car. <laughs> you're like this. I made a wrong turn. I made a wrong turn somewhere. But uh, yeah, Alan Boublier like walked over and he was like, Cody and I'm not gonna try to do a French accent. And I was like, "Yeah, hey, uh, you, you, Alan." <laughs> and he grabbed my hand with the ferocity of like ten men and held on very tightly and said, "It's Alan." I was like, "Oh, so I'm, I'm sorry, sorry." Lexi just shuddered. If she actually listens to this episode, she just shuddered. She went, oh. <laughs> um, So I drove him like to the to where he was staying to his hotel where he's staying and i gave him like the schedule of what was going to be going on because this was all about like trying to find producers for the show yeah um he was not really interested in talking to me very much in the car but i just figured like you know whatever yes yeah. i've obviously and you do that thing where you're trying to like well i have a lot a of contest. energy as a person i have to win you over yeah and that was kind of what i was thinking but i was like you know i'm not I, I know I'm a lot to handle sometimes, and maybe I don't need to press this guy who just flew in from France. Yeah. You know, um, so I just got him to his to his hotel and set him up. And like every day, there was ten problems. <laughs> and mm. I remember my like most vivid. I've got two two memories of him that really stick out. Besides the him grabbing my hand super hard to tell me how to pronounce his name, um, we were at this finding producers party. And I remember looking around and there was like the owner of Turtle Wax was there and like these people. It was crazy. Like all these people with big money. Yeah. And I know it's really random, but I do remember thinking serving the girl. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, the owner of Turtle Wax handed me a bottle of or a glass of champagne. She was like, oh, hey, you don't have a glass. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I remember thinking like the amount of times that I had to wax a car. <laughs> 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 
I'm going to tell you, I would have been the worst wingman for that moment because I would have leaned into her and been like, I think the best advertisement that you guys ever had was in the 1990 film. Oh, my God. Ninja Turtles. There you go. <laughs> well, I didn't even think about that. So there you there you yeah. have it. But she I'd have, I'd have just been too nervous. to be She like, handed it to me and I immediately mail. thought, like, I've waxed so many cars and I'm now in a room with the turtle wax lady. <laughs> <laughs> she just gave me champagne. <laughs> Uh, even though like I have no business there, I'm offering up zero. Like I'm not a part of this yeah. in any way, other than basically being the butler to La Boublil. But know. the best part is that she offered you like, oh, oh, you she was, must be a part of this. She was super nice, and actually, like we ended up dealing with her on another show that David was producing with the Turkish rock stars mm-hmm. that I worked with forever. And um, anyway, but and she was she was very nice. I ended up knowing a little too much about the Turtle Wax Company by the end of it. It was like, how does this even, how did this even happen? But it was so, so off the point. Yes. Alan got one of those. He he was like, I want some chocolate. And I was like, I, okay. Well, as David always has these, those like Linden chocolates. Are they Lint? The Lint ball things? Yeah. L-I-N-D-T? Yes. Yes. Um, And he said, is this good? And I was like, yeah, this is. I mean, I freaking love this chocolate. It's amazing chocolate. He so like good. he was like, mm, I done, mm. and I was like, no, you should you should have it. They're so good. And he put it in his mouth, swirled it around like obvious, almost like you were watching a wine sommelier try to tell you <laughs> that this grape was like grown in 1978 from this place in Argentina, and then and he spit it out onto the table. Stop, just like <laughs> like a cat. <laughs> like a cat coughing up a hairball. And I was like, to me, that chocolate is amazing. And you just, you just regurgitated that onto the table. It was, and he was too sweet for him. He said, Ugh. and this, this chocolate is crap. You know, he was like, yeah. I cannot eat this. And he just like walked away. And then yet again, Miss Turtle Wax comes over and she went, did he just spit that chocolate up? And I said, yep. And he left. She said, did he want you to pick? And I said, yes, he did. He wants me to pick that up. And I did. I scooped that thing up in a napkin like an unwanted turd on the carpet. And I was like, this is just the worst. <laughs> like I just took my host to the dog's so Like I was living so high on that turtle wax champagne <laughs> and immediately just got pushed so far down. Oh, yeah. Like you were a czar. Now you're a surf. Like, mm. congratulations. Throughout his visit, things were not so great. Yeah. As far as like, I think that he probably had the time of his life, but I remember I did make a joke about the fact that he ended up marrying uh, the original Cosette, oh, who was like 30 years younger than him. And I made some mm, now understandably off-color joke about that. Yeah, yeah. And I got in a bit of trouble for that. But on the way to the airport, he had said something, and I had made some gumbo for uh for some people for some of my friends up there and he was like oh you're from he was talking to me but he's like you're from louisiana i was like yeah um i said actually i just made some gumbo for some friends he was like i would love to try the gumbo (laughs) it's like okay i'm going to bring you some gumbo this is kind of weird on the way to bring him the gumbo i had the gumbo sitting in a tupperware on my console like on the on the you know the, Mm -hmm. the center that's console yeah, I'm yeah, the center insane. console. I'm I don't insane. know why you're trying to like describe it. I just it. like was feeling insane. Um, I literally like said console and then immediately <laughs> said console and then immediately went to you know center flappy thing. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> like, what is wrong with my You've brain? You've been teaching children for too long. That's really what it was. So I was in Evanston where he was staying, mm-hmm. um, and I like it, which is literally like Pineville to Alexandria where we live. Like it's it's like neighboring yeah. city in Chicago. I pulled into Evanston. There was a red light and I thought, I don't know what was going on. I thought it was going to change. I ended up having to hit my brakes really hard and forgot the gumbo was sitting on my center console somehow. Mm. And it slid and hit my gear shift and went everywhere into every crease. I think that car, wherever it is still has like next to the P is like crusty (laughs) Rue celery or something. It just like oh, could goodness. not get it out from whatever. And it smelled like the whole car was just like cold gumbo. It smelled like. And I was picking him up to go to the airport and he got in the car and he went, Ooh, what is, 
Oh, this is <laughs> terrible in here. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't, I, this, this, I would bring you the gumbo. And he was like, oh, that would have been, like, he was just talking, like, that yeah. would have been the worst. If it smells this bad, it would have tasted, I was like, it just smells like gumbo. Like, come on. Yes. We're on our way to the airport and he won't let the gumbo thing go. And he was like, but you know, of course you spilled the gumbo. You're, you're American. You're just this ignorant American cowboy. You've never been anywhere. You don't know anything. <laughs> the fact that you, it's because you wear uh, a lot of flannel that he thought you were a cowboy. I was like, what is happening? And he insulted me for what felt like five minutes. Interesting. And I've just never let that go. I was like, man, I was going to bring you some this gumbo. This is why you don't like Les Mis. <laughs> Like I was gonna bring you gumbo. I took care of you. I I, I scooped up your Slurpee chocolate. <laughs> Wasted my gumbo on you. And then he came back. I don't even want to get into that story. Oh goodness! Because well, he came back for the actual production of La Revolution Française, oh. mm. which was in this really mm. cool theater in Pilsen, which is like the Brooklyn to Chicago, yeah, North New York. It's it's like was so cool. But still, also. That musical, La Revolution Française, is just Les Mis. It's Les Mis. Yeah. It was the precursor Didn't to Les Mis. a lot of what he did was a all lot about of the, the French Mel Revolution? Yeah, it's all French Revolution. Yeah. The whole thing. I was like, this is almost the exact same storyline. Some of the same melodies, I was like, I've heard this song, but the words are little... Different. They're a little different. I do appreciate that you started this entire thing, this whole tangential story. I'm not going to do a French accent. I slipped. And then you started doing Lumiere along the way. And then I almost became Russian for a second. Yeah. Is he saying or shut the door? I'm just having this moment right now. This is real time. Like, is he saying, shut the door, invaders, or is he saying, shut the door? I think, I don't, I don't actually know. In my mind, it's always been shut the door. And it wasn't until right now serious? that maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> we need Lexi. Ah, we'll get fact checked. Um, but so I guess like my next question is. I'm so sorry for that. What was probably like a 50 minute tangent. Well, we're getting close. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you think is something that actually make like what, what, what is something that makes a show a legacy or makes something last, I guess? Yeah. Like all like, these shows that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, we've talked about, about two, four about shows, four shows. That's my fault. I'm sorry. Uh, Starlight Express, Starlight Express, Starlight, Starlight Express. Express. <laughs> I wish people could see our faces and our heads <laughs> bobbling back and forth. But yeah, so that's a that's a show that's like this is you, you did that on purpose because yes. you wanted to bring in my arch nemesis of Andrew Lord. This is the Cody hating these musical people. Let's segment. Let's that's really it. what this is. Andrew Lord Webber is literally theater's worst nightmare, in my opinion. It's almost like here I have put a sentence together. Here is my sentence. I am now going to write a 10-minute song. This is the sentence. Are you ready? We're just going to say this over and over again. You ready? Jesus Christ, superstar. <laughs> Jesus Christ, superstar. Something is something is what you are. Go, 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 Jesus Joseph. Christ. You know it go, 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 Joseph. You know what it is. Starlight Express. Starlight Express. It's like, we got it. We got it, buddy. Yeah. We have got it. Yeah. It is the music of our night. Yes. Same three words over and over again. Oh, my gosh. I just, it hurts my soul. I think the shows are so dumb. He is still writing and rewriting Starlight Express, by the way. It's not it's unfinished. I this is what I this is what I truly believe about that story. And here's here's what I was maybe trying to get at. It's like it's the one thing in his career that he tried like and it really didn't hard. Work. Yeah, it didn't work. And I think he's that like, man, he's I wrote so a desperate to that make, didn't make it any work. sense about cats based <laughs> off of a poem. And people freaking <laughs> love that. And now I'm gonna write something for the boys. Yes. I'm gonna write a train musical. So I come I, on, Thomas. <laughs> all aboard. <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't work? It's the Starlight Ex Polar Express. You know how yes. mad he was whenever Tom Hanks did Polar Express and people loved it. He's yeah. like, oh, Ugh. how dare you? He's like, that's what I need. I need Tom Hanks. I need a Tom Hanks moment. You I don't know why. But he's from the <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Somebody give me Tom Hanks in here right now. 
Um, I don't. I don't know what it is about these horrible Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals that people just latch onto with just like a a fire in their soul. It must be the catchiness of it. I think it just like enters your brain and never leaves. And then it's also like hokey and weird, so it's fun mm-hmm. to like it. It's like a it's like the earworm kind of thing with music, yeah. where it's just like it just. It's stays also there. this this intense amount of spectacle. I mean, that's really what Cats is. And that's really what Phantom of the Opera is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think probably Phantom of the Opera was the only thing you should have ever written and then stopped. And that's still not my favorite. <laughs> like, that's low on the list. If I'm going to watch something, like, you're going to watch an entire <laughs> musical for a moment where a chandelier swings. Yeah. I'll show you a swing. Like, that's fine. You like things on pendulums? That's going to be his next one. Pendulum Express. Look at this. It's a musical about clocks. Chandelier. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yeah. Um, to see a song. So... I guess that's kind of like the thing, like, well, you talked about that one time that, that you know, it's very expensive curtain falling, right? Yeah. Like, it, you're creating an iconic moment. moment. Yeah. It's just like you ask people about Phantom of the Opera, they talk about the chandelier, chandelier. and the floating boat. How yes. do they make the boat float like that on the low fog? Like, well, it's on a track. Like, it's... <laughs> and there's low fog. You you don't see the track. I don't yeah. understand. And it's like that. Um, you were talking to me and Lexi uh, about that show where they like ripped the. Um, oh my goodness, the, Eastland. The, yeah. yeah, they they ripped the tarp. Looking off Glass of the... did the show about a boat that flipped upside down. It was one of the first things that I saw in the city, and it was one of the reasons why I was like, I am moving here. I am doing stuff like this. Yeah. It's just so cool. It was a folk musical about uh, a boat that flipped upside down and they had it in a revival tent and they used this parachute material and everybody was sitting on wood bitches and um, they had this moment where like everything starts to shake and it's the moment where the boat flips and right when the boat flipped, they sucked up the entire tent that was encompassing the whole audience and stage into the ceiling and it took less than two seconds. Mm. And it was so jarring and so amazing. But I remember a lot of moments from that. But still, it was yes. like because that, and then when it revealed, what it revealed was all the mangled metal from the boat being yeah. flipped upside down. But that to me makes sense. Yes, true. So I wonder if, like, if if you went to see that a second time, like two weeks, three oh, weeks yeah. later, do you think it would have the same impact? Would it still be iconic? Well, it would be interesting to see if they pulled it off again because yeah, later, true. after meeting some of these people, they were like, "Yeah, that that did work a lot, but it didn't work sometimes." Because <laughs> like I know that it was, yeah. it was like sometimes <laughs> yes. that did not happen, and it was very awkward. Apparently, the night that I watched it was the first night that it actually worked. Mm. I saw it on the very last night of previews. Yeah, and apparently that was the night that it finally they had finally achieved it. Yeah, because that was a lot of fabric. Getting, yes, like, to get the stage lot. and the audience all. I mean, it was know, a giant tent. Yeah. It looked like we were in a big circus tent. It was crazy how it disappeared so fast, and it also didn't break anything on their grid. Like none of their <laughs> yes. lights, like it all went exactly where it was supposed to go. Didn't hit anyone in the face. It's amazing. Um, I. What was your question? Building um, a show about a moment? <laughs> well, no, no, no. It was. It was like if you went to see that. Oh, a so second I know, time. Yeah, I know that some shows have like these really iconic things that happen in like the the chandelier, right? Yeah. But say if you went to see that again, do you think it would ring at like? Why do some things ring really good every time you see them, right? Yeah. And why do some things be like, be like, what am I? I, I don't really. I think it's why, the TikTok why are some thing. Things, We've we're been on TikTok yes. for two minutes. Why are some things that you see a second time are just like why in your do mind it be hitting different? Though? Yeah. Why do it be hitting different? <laughs> 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 yeah. It just. It just. I guess in your mind you've made this thing so crazy good because you experienced it that one time, right? Yeah. I think that you build it up. Also, at like the the that immediate shock and that feeling. I yeah. Mean, that's I remember true. when that happened. And because, I mean, this was a brand new musical. It had never been done before. They were workshopping it there. Honestly, I, th- I feel like it, it should be done all the time because it was amazing. And I used to have the CD. I, I bet Grayson still had if, if I still had this CD, I'm going to I'm going to find it mm-hmm. and I'm going to send it to you because you would love the, the music was just good music. Yeah. On its own. It wasn't necessarily like, oh, this well, is it's musical. Folk music. I'm 100 percent. Yeah, it was just yeah. like listening to a folk album. And it happened to tell the story of Eastland. Like there was this great character. I don't, I don't need to go off on it, but it, it, there was a lot of really yes. good moments in it. Um, but I think that what's hard is it's it's almost like a 
it's like a drug addict in a way. Like you're you're then you go back expecting the exact same experience and chasing that high. Yeah, the moment. that's true. So you go in and you're like, okay, this is going to be amazing. But now you're expecting it. So yeah. the shock value is gone. And there's no way that you that you can't be disappointed in that way, the way I, I see it, because it's not going to be the same because that's theaters. That's that's the the dark side and yeah. the beauty and the, the downside of theater is that it's going to be different in some way. And if you're married to that exact thing and you want to experience that exact thing again, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Because that parachute material might get caught up. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's you know, true. Yeah. I think that's why I like to not have spoilers for anything come yeah. my way is because I want and the expectations of it because, you know, yes. we talked we we talked privately about uh, Wonder Woman 84 and about how we didn't like it. Yes. And it was mostly like the disappointment of it. And I had all this hype about how amazing it was going to be. And then I watched it and I felt sad. Mm -hmm. And then everyone talked about how bad it was and then i started seeing stuff on facebook people being like you know people keep telling me how terrible this movie is but i watched it and it's really not that bad yeah but they went into it thinking like this is going to be the worst piece of garbage i've ever seen since batman versus superman so i think i think to to show you the opposite of that because of the tempered expectations people expected like these really good things and not like a batman versus superman kind of way <laughs> but um when I remember so distinctly the year was 2002 and there were two movies that had these crazy iconic scenes that everyone talks about how crazy good they are. And one of them is uh, in episode two, the Clone Wars at the very end when all the like the Jedi are in the Coliseum and they're fighting all the droids and the little oh, yeah, space yeah, bugs yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, I know that they're called Geonosians, but I'm trying to like dumb it down a little bit. That was really funny that you thought in any way that any of the people that ever send us a text being like, hey, actually, we're going to be like, um, excuse me, Chris, those yes. are Geonosians. Except but, for maybe Jay. Yeah. Like maybe Jay. Yeah, Jay would be like, how did you not know like, this? But you know all you? of Kid Anakin's lines. <laughs> um, but the the thing is, that and the Battle of uh, Star Wars, I'm sorry, uh, that and the, uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings. Yes. To me, those two moments. Oh, my goodness. The Battle of Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings, to me, is like one of the most insane cinematic moments ever. What did I say? Did I say something insane? It, it, it landed so flat for me. What? Because. Oh, my God. Now, I, I, I got to say that as an adult, and I've, I rewatch those movies once a year. Yeah. Honestly, I do. That it is not my favorite fight in the film, but it is really, really, really freaking good. Oh my goodness! Like but, I never had a moment of of being like this is falling flat. Like I was in so much suspense the whole time, and it was just constantly like, oh my gosh, what are they gonna do? So, but 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 because people had hyped it up so much that I'm watching both of these movies in these moments that should be really exciting and fun to yeah. watch. That I I just. I guess but my I had no preconceived so notions. I had nothing. Now I have to say, as much as I love the Battle of Helm's Deep, Legolas sliding on that stupid shield is well, the dumbest thing I've ever seen. That was a hard moment. That was a hard, weird little Michael Bay thing that they threw in there. That's a that's a Peter Jackson edition. Like sad. let's just leave it alone. That anyway, was a sad moment. But but all that to say, like my expectations were so high, whereas yeah. yours. Uh, for, I didn't have any for yeah. that, actually. I had and none. So it's, it's literally the adverse of what you were talking because, like, about my, earlier. My dad doesn't read. And I mean, he he's does, he doesn't read Lord of the reader. Rings. He's he not a big read reader. Tolkien, yeah. yeah, he's not a big reader. And he was never really into Lord of the Rings. And until the movies came out and then we would watch them yeah. together. But we didn't really I didn't really have anybody around that was talking about it. You know, so I had no idea. Well, we're not, you know, British kids who grew up with these. There you go. Being I guess. So iconic. Yeah. You know, it's another show that I feel like would be remiss not to bring up. Um, I don't know what time we're at, but I think it's probably like right here at the end. We can talk about Fiddler on the Roof, um, which I think people kind of like to poo poo on a little bit because it's been produced so many times. Yeah. At this point. But, you know, there's this amazing documentary on Amazon that you should watch because I watched it and I cried a lot. Like, I know that's not a huge. <laughs> Basically, oh, like, Cody cried. could Must Cody cry in this? I mean, yeah, I was about to say it's like <laughs> I could find a reason to get emotional in just about anything. I'll find a connection. But um, it is so cool how they talk about how it was doomed for failure 
in the workshop of it. Like people hated it. The critics slammed it and somehow magically audiences showed up and were like, no, this is amazing. Yeah. And apparently the director was kind of known to be a tyrant Mm. and the performers were just like, okay with it because of the final product, which is a whole other issue that we can talk about at some other thing about we're okay with the way that they treat us because they get out of us what we need to succeed, which I just never think is, it just can't be right. And I've been in those shows, but, um, it's the Michael Jordan effect, basically. Yeah. The Michael Jordan effect. Yeah. Um, so maybe we have talked about that. Uh, but, but so they, they talk about the show and about the relevance to this entire people and, how it felt like, you know, a story was being told that hadn't been told before. Mm-hmm. And then it got to go to film. And I, and it was to like this big deal that it was being made into a movie. It's just, you should really look it up. It's free on Amazon yeah. Prime if you have it. And it, I believe it's called uh, Miracles or Miracle on the Roof or something mm. like that. And it follows the story of one, one guy who actually got to play Tevia on Broadway and his dad was also like years and years and years before him. See, that's really it, cool. And he actually died whenever he was a kid. Like the the the, the kid's father who was yeah, playing yeah, yeah. it died. And uh once he grew up he then played Tevia. And he So in his mind that has play. to be the Mount oh, Everest. Huge. And he yeah. was like, I just I think of this man as my dad. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. They this is what got me. They they like talked to him and he says, you know, one of the things whenever I played this role that was so amazing is I actually got to wear my father's boots that he played the role in. And now uh, I'm getting to play it. And I was like, that is just so freaking Cody beautiful. Cody would have freaking cried. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it got four cries on the cry scale. <laughs> I just, it just broke me down. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I do really love that show. I think that people probably do it too much. Yeah. But watching it and then it just... Uh, it ju- it just really is a beautiful story. Yeah, it has its hokey moments. That's kind of the problem with I think older musicals is that they but wanted they- to sell something. Yes. like they were like, okay, we got to be serious. Like we've got this story about these Jews basically being like you know thrown from their land in Russia, mm-hmm. and what do we what we have to have something funny yeah. in there? I think they're always. And I think there should be something funny, but lending yourself to being like super hokey about yeah. it that you don't need that i think you can have those i think those hokey moments are earned by definitely the the one you know the source material of it like you're, you're dealing with these heavy things that are going on and that you can have those hokey moments to like offset for hopefulness i guess you yeah. know what i mean like there has to be some light in the darkness of it right? i think the thing that makes that makes these things these shows legacies yeah is the, you know, a lot like Fiddler, even Oklahoma, we were talking about Les Mis, um, oh my goodness, basically any Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, it all, it is all so intensely tied into the human experience and tragedy. That okay, we that was what I was going to ask. Like, what do you think is the thing that like, what is... What's the thing that What's like the tether? What, yeah, what yeah, the, brings the, them all together. Yeah, the thread there. I do think that you know that's the thread you pull. Yeah, that is, it, it is that the humanity it taps of it, into think? humanity because I am not I'm not Jewish. Yeah, Fiddler on the Roof speaks to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not Jewish. Makes no sense. And I watch it and I'm like, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. I totally relate to this. Like this is this was not my life. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I do not. Have this life at all, but I'm like, yeah, of course, father does that, mother does that. Yeah, this is what you do. Like, I'm just, I'm in it. I immediately believe, like, yeah, yeah. When I watch that show, I'm Jewish all of a sudden. It's crazy how it just like bridges that gap, and then I am a part of it. Yeah, and I think that is just one powerful writing, and also just the the human struggle. I think yeah. that it is all about struggle. I mean, that's. Oklahoma at its real story, this real story of Oklahoma is about struggle Mm -hmm. and about trying to find your way and to overcome something. You know, I mean, Oklahoma wasn't even a state yet. That was the thing. We were becoming a territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's like Les Mis is literally just one giant tear, you know? Well, yeah, (laughs) but it's it's 
it's but and and, and I, overcoming you know yeah I, I think you're absolutely right about that fighting about for it. something you believe in that is also a lost cause that's lame is yes you know? I, I think you have to and and i think maybe that's why like uh the the when i did the show uh the diary of Anne frank like i have no yeah you're not understanding a real concept of what it was like to experience the holocaust of course but, not like none of us do we have this we have or this will, real know? life hopefully. firsthand yeah exactly hopefully um, this real life firsthand account from this little girl who kept this diary, right? Yeah. And we talked about that last week about keeping a diary. Mm. And she she recorded this whoa, human whoa. experience. Boys keep journals. Let's be let's be real. Okay, we're not going to get into that discussion, <laughs> but how dare you genderfy? <laughs> but all that to say, like, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think it is the human experience and we want to see, which is why we go see theater to begin with. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't go see it to see like the beast turn into a human at the end. Well, right. But but you're getting with four minutes it, left. Something about. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, like five. That's, hour that's my only problem with musicals is that the resolution is it's like so fast. wrapped up into it's five all about minutes. the build yeah. up. It's so much exposition. And then, oh, we need to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. So everybody lives happily ever after. I think that's an older musical thing. I think we've yeah, kind of definitely moved. not a Sondheim thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um, a whole other episode. We are obviously yes. out of time for that. But, you know, I, I think that the link between all of that is even though that we're not in that exact experience, that we can we have empathy. Yeah. Um, as humans, unless we're like narcissistics, yeah. sociopaths, you know, um, you have empathy and you can imagine a time whenever you have been isolated or when you've had something that you've had to overcome. Yes. It's just like watching the straight play indecent. You know, yeah. it's not a musical, but I watched that show and I like when Lexi it was a great gift. It was honestly a great gift. I was so thankful for the great performances on PBS. Whenever we watched that and I had the opportunity to watch that show with Lexi mm-hmm. and I had this amazing experience in New York watching it. I've never been in a theater like that before. And then whenever I got to watch it at my house with Lexi, that she could experience it. It, it felt the same in a way, yeah. you know, yeah. and it almost felt even more because I got to experience it with her, mm-hmm. but it just was, I mean, you just audibly just wail. You just cry. You just feel for these people that in every outset are just being marginalized. Yeah. And it just, Oh, it is. It is. Uh, it is. A, that is an experience. It is an experience of a show. Yes. And, and, and I, that is one of those things that, I hope becomes uh, a show that lasts and stands the test of time. Like some of these other ones that we've talked about, yes. kind of like how I, I feel the same way about dear Evan Hansen that I worry oh. that it's probably like a, a show that is a little bit more of like of its time, kind of like merrily we roll along, which yeah, not yeah, a lot yeah. of people know about, but it's, it's like in its own little era, you know, yeah. and it's hard to do shows like that and have them not seem dated. Yeah. And I worry that eventually Dear Evan Hansen will seem dated, you know, whenever whatever happens after the Internet. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because it's that's what it's based on technology. Well, next is Ratatouille musical. Right. Um, but I would say and I know that we're also running out of time, but I would say that. I, you know, I wonder if when, you know, Harper Lee was writing uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, because that's coming up for us like very yeah. soon. We're we're very much in the discussion and moving forward of like. There's no way she could have known that this would be timeless all these years later, right? No, yeah, but and that it would still be relevant. Mm-hmm. And and it just like blows my mind that that something like that can be so iconic. You know, what's really awesome is that I'm glad you brought that up because that is our our next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you okay. like how I did that? Yeah, good. I mean, good. we talked about we were going to do that dedicated episode to this show. We, yeah. We've been dancing around it forever. I mean, eventually you got to buy a girl. We're drink. like twins. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. gosh, you got me with that one. Are there any words of wisdom you want to leave people on? Um, any fun facts? I hope that everyone is enjoying the beginning of what I hope is going to be the start of a, of a great year, yes. even though that it is a start really a great hard decade. start that it's, mm. there you go. A decade. Yes. Even though it's a real hard start for us right now. I mean, 
cases are really high and people's emotions are really high. And apparently, you know, they're wrapping their feelings up into opinions and not facts. And that's really sad. And I just hope that people, you know, take a breath. Yes. And just, you know, find some happiness in what's going on and not, not, not complain so much. I mean, like, we're doing okay. Yeah. We're okay. Yeah. Some of us. Some so of us are not doing so great. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> was that my words of wisdom? There you go. That's enough. All <laughs> do right. Do you? Uh, I do. Uh, yes. My, well, I have a fun fact instead. Oh, I'm, in, I'm um, into it. Uh, do you know why manhole covers around? Can you repeat that sentence and put the right emphasis in the right spots? Do you know why manhole covers around? <laughs> do I know why manhole covers? Do you covers? know why manhole covers around? <laughs> no, do, you, you, <laughs> do you know why manhole covers yes. are round? Yes. No. Because it's the only shape that won't fall in on itself. So I hope that you spend all of 2021 being round. And not falling in on yourself. <laughs> that was Cody. And that most definitely is Chris. doing it to yourself on that one. No.